0: listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit Brockportfirstbaptist.org. Our scripture reading this morning is from Mark chapter 6, Verses 30 through 46, the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away, so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. It's the word of God.
1: Thank you, Julie. Um, So if you don't know me, I am Elisha Young. Uh, Today I'm your guest preacher. I'm also the office administrator and discipleship coordinator. Um, Pastor Dan is on study leave this week, uh, taking some much-needed solitude and study time, preparing for the days and months ahead. Um, As Pastor Dan started this new series last week, I'm going to give you a a recap before jumping in, just in case you missed last week. We are in the season of Lent. This is the second week of Lent. Lent is a 40-day long period of time, paralleling the time that Jesus fasted in the wilderness when he was preparing for his ministry. For centuries, Christians have practiced this period of Lent as a way to remember and enter into that journey with Jesus, preparing ourselves to commemorate his death and resurrection. Unlike Advent, which is shorter, a little bit more exciting, full of Christmas traditions, Lent is more of an introspective alone time. It's longer, slower, and often marked by mourning, checking our hearts and our minds as we come before the cross. Spiritual practices like prayer and fasting are common ways that people choose to walk through the Lent season. Unlike our typical preaching series, diving deep into books of the Bible, um, we have taken a break from Daniel, and now we are working through this series called Sacred Rhythms. We're exploring different spiritual practices or disciplines that Christians have engaged with for centuries. All of our scriptures that we have been pulling from will go directly back to Jesus and the early church. It's our hope that you will try practicing these disciplines, these sacred rhythms at home, putting them into place in your daily lives. So we don't want you to leave here with more head knowledge, we really want experiential knowledge while trying them out um, there there might be heart changes that happen as well Um, make sure to go to the online worship page at brockportfirstbaptist.org online worship where you'll find a button to download the order of worship there is a going deeper section within it that will have pointers weekly to help you actually take some of these disciplines and put them into practice at home. We want you to try them out. Maybe you'll try something for a few weeks and put it down, but maybe you'll try something new and it might draw you closer to God in a way that you've never experienced. So to reiterate what Pastor Dan reminded us of last week, we do not do spiritual disciplines in order to exalt ourselves taking on a holier-than-thou attitude, nor do we do spiritual disciplines in order to work our way to salvation and closer to God. As I'm talking today about solitude and community, I want you to remember the three main goals of these sacred rhythms or disciplines. The first is to cultivate our sense of intimacy with God. The second is to conform us to be more like Christ, and the third is to empower us for the work of the church. So I am a teacher of children and teenagers, and so I have a little bit of a a display so you guys can see a little bit more of how spiritual disciplines really work in our lives. Am I good? Okay. So this empty picture, this is a representation of me. I write me on it. So that when you guys are saying it to yourselves, you're also talking about yourself. So this is me. I am empty pitcher. Now of course this is not going to be a perfect display, but just work with me. So if I, I really want you to understand the invaluable need for spiritual disciplines. So here I am empty, and these cups are going to represent all the people and the situations that we come up against. You might not be able to read them, but that's what they say, people and situations. So if I'm empty and I come up against a difficult person or a difficult situation, I have nothing to give them, right? I have nothing positive. The only thing that's going to come out is probably not going to be good. So, maybe you make church a priority. Here's our little, our little display of church. And that does fill us up a little bit. And it's a good thing to do. And then, okay, we're all virtual right now. So, maybe you leave your house. You've been filled a little. And then you meet an EGR, an extra grace required person. Um, at the grocery store, at goodness, at your family member's house, wherever those EGRs in your life is, and you give them everything that you had in you, and now you're empty, and now you come up against a difficult situation, oh, you have nothing left to give. So enter in spiritual disciplines. Okay, so we have to kind of pretend, so you'll have to pretend with me that this continues to refill But of course, I don't have a never-ending pitcher of water like God is. But our spiritual disciplines, like solitude and community, um, feasting and fasting, gratitude, let's see, Bible study, generosity, we are being filled regularly. So now when we come up against those situations, and those people, we have way more to give, and then we go back to the source. We get to go back to the source and continue to get refilled. So that is how spiritual disciplines truly work. God has the opportunity to continue to fill us in ways that once a week at church will never be able to fill you. All right, so I hope that helps understand why we are taking time on this series, and why it's important. So, one more note about these practices. If we keep our faith in our head, we never get to experience the changes that God really has in mind for us. We don't get to experience forgiveness, deep forgiveness of ourselves, or forgiveness for others. We don't get to experience really loving our enemies. We don't get to experience the peace that passes understanding. We don't get to experience the life that God has for us here on earth. Life isn't supposed to be a drudgery that we just have to get through. Nor is a relationship with Christ about saying one prayer and continuing to look and act exactly the same as before. So entering into these sacred rhythms, these spiritual practices helps us enter into a full life, the one that God intended for us all along. So now we're going to jump into solitude and community. It was about 14 years ago um, I read a book by Dallas Willard called Revolution of Character. It wasn't necessarily a book about spiritual disciplines, but it was a book about how Christ transforms us. Um, It was the first time that I'd really stopped to consider solitude being something that was even necessary, or that was even something anybody actually did. Um, And what's funny to note is it was one of the first books I ever did with a small group of people, too. Um, And so I'm hoping today to give you that same pause, to think through solitude and community as something that um, that you also might need and experience in your life. So now we're going to go back to the verses that Julie read for us. Um, Christ practiced both of these disciplines regularly. Not only was he almost always surrounded with crowds, doing his earthly ministry, but he regularly withdrew from them to commune with God. And he taught his disciples to do the same thing. So Mark 6, verse 30 through 34, I will reread them for us. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had seen and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went on shore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. All right, so in the beginning, this is Jesus speaking with his disciples. Um, He had sent them away in the beginning of Mark 6 um, to go and minister to others in pairs of two, and they have just returned to tell Jesus of all the work that they have done, um, and they have been preaching and teaching about him and healing, and they are excited. So they're talking all about it, and I just want you to picture the cacophony of noise that Jesus would have been surrounded by. Um, and the disciples didn't even really understand what, what happened. They don't understand what a big deal this is. They are just excited. And Jesus responds by saying, let's go to a deserted place and rest. So this group of 13 gets in a boat and tries to find some quiet space to refill but the crowd found them. They arrived there before the boat did. Did Jesus send them away? Of course not. He knew their need for community, for fellowship, and for learning more from him. To steal from last week's spiritual discipline, he knew they had a need to feast together. He welcomed them, he had compassion on them, And then in verse 37, he actually takes care of their physical need for food, feeding everyone there before sending them away. This account ends with Jesus sending his disciples back in their boat and him taking his much-needed time alone up on the mountain to pray. He knew that he needed the time to be alone with God. He needed to receive that filling that only comes with being alone in God's presence. In verse 45, it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up to the mountain to pray. Of course, this chunk of verses that we share with you has one of the many miracles of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000. However, I'm kind of going to ignore that part a little bit, mostly. Um, And the main things that I'm going to focus on today are the need for togetherness and the need for being alone. Jesus recognized that his disciples needed time to recharge and relax, but also recognized that the crowd needed to be together, listening to what he had to teach. He made space for both, displaying that we too need space for both in our own lives. Jesus stayed grounded in solitude in order to remain in touch with his true identity and God. Then after recharging, came back into community more available to his disciples than he was before. So what I found again and again in researching the discipline of solitude is that it's proposed by many to be the foundation for all other spiritual disciplines. Prior to ever researching The disciplines, I'd always really thought of solitude, even while I was reading that book 14 years ago, that that's really only something that nuns or monks or priests do, but it's not really something that the rest of us do. Um, I lie pretty close to the middle of extrovert and introvert kind of on the Myers-Briggs. Depending on the year, um, finding my own recharging has always been alone but it's always while well. I've been writing, reading a book, reading the Bible, praying, watching TV, going for a walk, listening to music, whatever the case is, the idea of true solitude with silence was still pretty foreign to me because I was always joined by my favorite authors, my favorite uh, television shows, my favorite music artists, what have you. I mentioned it earlier and I'm gonna say it again. I don't think that you can have healthy, Christ-centered community without true solitude. I'm kind of going to flow from one to the other because they are so interconnected, especially during this last year for many of us. So I have a ridiculous story for you. Some of you might already know I'm kind of a nerd anyway, um, so now I'm just letting it fly. So I do this thing in the car like I jam out to my music and I was playing the drums the other day and I'm singing and I'm probably dancing and it hit me. When I first started driving when I was 16, I used to play this game with myself because I play games with myself regularly. And if I saw somebody else acting the way I do in the car, I would change the radio station to see if I could figure out what they were listening to. And I would listen to it with them. And I would have just this little piece of community with the car next to me. They wouldn't know that I'm doing it, but I felt like I just won the game. Um, And I realized the other day that this is gone. In the world of Siri XM radio, Bluetooth connected devices, the endless amounts of choice what we can listen to in a car, there's no way I would ever be able to figure this out anymore. So this gave me pause to ask myself, what community, even if I can't have this little amount, what community is left right now in the COVID-19 world that we find ourselves in? Some of us have natural, organic community, like work, if you're still going to a workplace, Um, family, if you are full, um, like in my home. (laughs) and the friends that we have called our bubble friends that you have continued to allow into your homes and into your lives. But right now, in this very moment, you're sitting at home. A few people are sitting here, but mostly you're sitting at home. And you're possibly alone or with your family. You might even still be in your pajamas, sipping on your coffee, and you're lacking the community that prior to COVID, we took for granted. We got to see people, we got to celebrate with them, we got to cry with them, we got to hug them. I'm a big hugger, so I really miss that part. Um, But even before COVID entered into our lives, I think many of us have lost some of that community connection anyhow. With Facebook, email, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, whatever version of social media or online connections you use, we have created online communities that have taken the place of our in-person relational time. Add to that the rushed life many young families live out, and there's just no time for anything extra. We have found ourselves in the midst of the most connected our world has ever been, becoming smaller and smaller as we can access more people and more information than ever before. While in this midst, we are continuing to check mark boxes of the things that we need to do in our lives, leaving out some of that community need. And however, we are the loneliest, the saddest, the most heart-disconnected society that has ever existed. Okay, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but it kind of looks like that from the outside. Depression and anxiety rates have risen. People struggle being themselves while inundated with what life looks like for others based on the pictures that they're looking at on the social media networks based on the way that people present themselves Sunday mornings or at work. We can get stuck in comparison traps, like who has the nicer house, the better car, the better job, whose kids or whose grandkids are the smartest or whose kids has their stuff together when yours doesn't. The list can go on and on. So what do we do to remedy this? I want to give you hope. I don't want to just make it worse for you. And I don't want to add another box for you to check off on your list of things to do. But instead, I want to add to what will help you better in the long run. So enter in the sacred rhythm of solitude. Putting down our phones, our televisions, our computers, our books, our music and taking real time with Jesus. So I have another example with you, a mind picture, if you will, um, that will hopefully give you a vision of what solitude really can look like. So my office. It is really cold here in the winter in the narthex. Um, I also lived in Arizona for 10 years, so I am just naturally cold anyway in New York but the winter has been rough. So I get here, I close my door, and I turn on two space heaters that are pointed directly at me <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> so you can walk from the Narthex into my office, and it's a cozy little slice of heaven within the caverns of this very cold building. I, I've had people just stand in the doorway with the door wide open and the heat explodes into the hallway and my cozy corner becomes frigid again. And I don't always receive people well who do that, so if you do come and visit me, make sure to come all the way in and just close the door. Um, But not until that door closes again and time goes by does my room go back to being that previous cozy state. this is what solitude and silence does for our inner selves. Our relationship with Christ. When we keep that door closed, alone with Christ, alone with His Spirit, we have time to get cozy. We find what's in our innermost thoughts and minds with nothing to distract and open that door. We can hear from God in ways that we couldn't if the door is constantly open and people are always coming and going, interruptions to our thoughts and our time with God. Time with only him can be exactly what we need to recharge, to refill our pitcher, to ready us for the time that we do get to be back around others. Of course, for some of you, that could still be months out. And for others of you, maybe you've never stopped being around people. But we still need to close that door. We need to get filled back up, cozy up with Jesus for a few minutes or more every day. So I didn't feel right about preaching this, um, because like I said, this is not really something that I considered doing in my regular life. Um, And even during my alone time, I was always with books and Bibles and music and teachers. But this last month, I've committed my time to God. I have a little bit of a sleeping issue. It's not a sleeping issue that needs to be solved, um, but I just go to bed crazy early, and I wake up somewhere between the hours of 1 and 3 every single morning. Um, and I, I know it's too early to get up and start my day, so I used to pull open a book or pull out my app, my Bible app, um, or pray or listen to a meditation and fall back asleep. But this last month I decided to give that time um, strictly to God. I lay there in the dark, it's the only time my house is actually silent. Um, there are five kids and two dogs and a lot of cats and fish. There, it's never silent in my home. But this time, in the middle of the night it is, and I lay there and I picture myself sitting with Jesus and keeping my focus on him and, and attempting to keep obtrusive thoughts at bay. Those thoughts, they will come. Over and over the first few nights that I attempted this, they came, and I had to continue to tell myself to breathe and just to be with Jesus. Um, Richard Foster says that solitude is inner fulfillment. It's a state of mind and heart, and he even says that it's something that we can get to the point of when you are in the middle of a crowd. He goes on to share that this solitude the pulling away from people and noise makes it easier to hear the divine whisper, to learn the sound of God's voice versus the sounds of the world. I really like that phrase, the divine whisper. This may be scary for some of you. Maybe it sounds a little too out there, a little risky to sit in the silence with only God. But guess what? He already knows our innermost being. Solitude with Jesus has the ability to break apart the false facades that we wear to help put to rest the person who we are trying to put out in the world. And instead, that solitude embraces the person who we really are. The person who God made. The one that God truly wants to commune with. This silence and solitude can reveal how much of our identity is embedded in falsehoods. Sometimes even the act of being unproductive and unapplauded can be a stumbling block for people to have this solitude. But during this time, if you're willing to try it, the only person that we can cling to is Christ, giving him time to do the deep work on ourselves, on our hearts, and on our minds. And we can emerge from this time free, free in ways that maybe you've not experienced before, free from burdens that we carry with us to make sure our life looks right on the outside, free from the burdens of family members and things that they're walking through, free from the burdens of our social media presence, free from the burdens of those who don't like us or those who like us too much. Free from hardships and struggles. This time with Christ can free us to be exactly who we are meant to be. Free to enter community in a way that we have never felt comfortable entering before. So I want to have a side note here. There's a chance if you do try this practice at home that you won't hear anything from God. I have spent the month waiting to hear that divine whisper myself during those times and have yet to hear. And if you don't hear it, I wanna make sure that you know it's not because you're not good enough. It's not because you're doing it wrong. It's because God shows up in God's timing, not in ours. I want to encourage you to keep going back, keep listening, God is there. It sometimes takes a long time for God's voice to be heard. God wants a relationship with you, and this is one way to draw closer to him and to be available to him, for him to talk. I can tell you that even though I haven't heard his voice during these times, I have experienced a greater level of patience and love, a greater level of inner calm than I've ever really had and a greater level of comfort in my own skin. I wanna share with you a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, he, He talks a lot about how solitude and community go together and he states that one who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings and one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity self-infatuation and despair. So in other words, we can't have one without the other. And if we try, we might suffer in some way, shape, or form. With only fellowship, we can get stuck in the cycle of talking too much and going and going and going with only exhaustion on the other end. And with only solitude, we, get to, we can get stuck in the cycle of thinking that we know best that we have it all together or into the cycle of sadness and hopelessness. So how do we try all this at home? I'm gonna start with solitude because right now, many of us, this is probably an easier start to, a easier place to start since um, we're still virtual churching and virtual small grouping. However, let me give you some ideas for solitude. So first, Just pick a time. Pick a time that works for you. One where you can set everything down, put your phone on do not disturb, choose a place in which you won't be interrupted. Simply be alone with God. Start with recognizing that you are right with God, breathing in his presence and breathing out the stuff that you're carrying with you in that moment. If you have a busy household like me, you might consider choosing a time in the late evening if you are a night person or the early morning or even the middle of the night. You may consider even setting a timer because sitting in his presence for less than 15 minutes doesn't give yourself time to put away your own thoughts and doesn't give God time to do the work that he wants to do. My second suggestion for solitude is dedicate alone time that you are already experiencing as quiet, solitude time with God. So maybe you take a walk every day or you run. Um, Hopefully you shower occasionally. Um, Maybe your drive time to or from work. Maybe it's cleaning your home. And just keep that time silent. Attempt to keep other thoughts that jump into your head at bay, focusing your time instead on the presence of God. My third uh, suggestion is if you really want to go big, go big and do a retreat, like Pastor Dan this week, um, taking the whole week. But you don't have to start there. You can set aside half of a day, a few hours, a whole weekend, whatever chunk of time you feel comfortable with giving to God, and stay right with him. Um, I do say, I do recommend not to stay at home if you're gonna do a huge chunk of time because we do get distracted easily in our personal environments. Instead, find a retreat center. There are still some open, but not very many. Um, You can find an outdoor area you love. You can go to a chapel and only bring your Bible and take some time, some real time with God. And then from that, I want to encourage you to enter into Christ-centered community in a different way than you've tried before. Recognize your need for people in your life who are also committed to following Christ fully. Um, I do want to encourage you to try to find a physical, in-person community of people that you can live out other sacred rhythms with, like serving, giving, loving, feasting, praying, studying, Um, But maybe you're like me, and you've been burned before. Entering into this time of real Christ-focused community, will people disappoint you? Absolutely. We will. God's family is meant to be a representation of what true belonging, true love, true acceptance looks like, But it will sometimes fall short. When people are part of the equation, we mess it up every single time. But I encourage you to get up, dust yourself off, go back to that solitude time, and then enter back into relationship with others. I promise you that it's worth it in the long run. So how can we do this anyway during a life that is more virtual than in person? I do have some ideas for you. The first is to join um, or start a Bible study group in which you meet virtually, or if your group decides, you can meet in person if you feel comfortable and safe doing that. Find people that you can truly be yourself with, sharing the things that come up during your solitude time sharing your heart and your life with them, sharing prayer requests as they come up, and really praying together. The second idea I have for you is to be a friend. Be willing to show up and listen, sharing only when it's necessary, and ask them to tell you their story. Find out who they are and what makes them tick. And in the end, they will do the same thing for you as well, and you will create community with that person. And the third idea is when we do open up church again to in-person worship, and it's safe for you to do so, come. Make it a priority to come every week. Get to know those you sit around. Become a real part of our faith community in tangible ways. Serving alongside others. And take the risk to be known. You matter and we want to get to know you. Um, this is not a guilt trip by any means. This is just me saying, I love you. And I want to see you more. And I'm excited to get to know you. And maybe you are one of our online community members and you don't live around here. I want to encourage you to find the way a way to have that in-person community with those in your area. Um, but we are happy that you're here and so take part in our online community we do I love when people comment on the things that we post and share the things that we're posting and Having conversations right on our page on Facebook is has been really fun for me in the last few months watching that increase And so I just ask that you take part in that So I'm gonna end back um, to the verses from Mark Even in exhaustion, Jesus gathers 5,000 of his closest followers around him anyway. Teaches them, feasts with them, and then finds his way to be alone again. And I encourage you to follow this example. Please pray with me. God, we come to you in this season of Lent, broken, broken broken awaiting your hand we come asking for your help to meet us in our times of solitude and community to make your voice heard above the noise of the world in jesus name we pray amen
0: thanks for listening